0: I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading which comes from the Gospel of John chapter 3 verses 11 through 21. Jesus said this, I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged, Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only Son. This is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and the people love darkness more than the light, for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. And then if you'll turn your attention to the screen, there's a short video. Before I begin this morning with the message, uh, I want to take a moment uh, first to invite you, if anyone has not picked up an Advent devotional book, there are plenty still of the Welcome Center if you'd like to get one. Also, if you're worshiping with us online or in the radio and you'd like one, just let the church office know, and we'll put one in the mail this week. I also want to thank, I neglected to thank folks who came and worked at the church work day yesterday afternoon or morning. Uh, we got a lot pruned and things done, and I just appreciate you all giving a couple hours out of your Saturday. Uh, it just We got a lot done, and thank you. And then finally, uh, I didn't announce earlier that uh, Meals on Wheels, our church is scheduled to deliver Meals on Wheels December 21st through 25th. So if you'd contact Katherine Harrington, if you're willing to help, I know she would appreciate it, and I know the folks that get meals delivered uh, appreciate it as well. So thank you all who participate in that ministry. This morning we're going to be continuing our Advent sermon Series as we're talking about how God is with us, how Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. And so last Sunday we talked about and looked at the the book of Isaiah chapter 7. And in chapter 7 in Isaiah we read a passage of scripture where God promises that a Messiah is going to come. And that God would send one who was not just the Messiah, but that God would come as himself, and that a young woman would become pregnant with child, and the one who was born would be named Emmanuel, or God with us. And so last Saturday, we lit the uh, first Advent candle, which reminded us of the hope that we have in God through Jesus Christ, and we remembered that Advent is a season for us that is marked by hope. As followers of Jesus Christ and as people of faith, we realize and we recognize that the season of Advent that we are in as we prepare for Christmas is a season that is filled with hope. And so as we wait in Advent, we wait with expectation, with anticipation, we wait with preparation and longing as we look forward to God's action in and through the world. And so Advent is a season in the church and in our lives where we both look back and remember at what God has done while living fully in the present and also anticipating the second coming of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, in the future. And so this morning, as we've seen in the lighting of our Advent wreath, we lit the candle for hope and then we lit the candle for love. As we're talking about and looking at how God brings us love in Jesus Christ. Now, there are those who have said the Bible is a story of love. And if you think about it, you read a story of how God has chosen to love those whom he created and how God has chosen to be in relationship with those he created as well. So last week we talked about how the Old Testament is full of hope. And this morning I'd like you to see or to think about the examples in the Old and New Testament of the ways that we see that God is also offering love to his people. Because God's love is woven through his creating, God's love is woven through the creation, and God's love is woven through the relationship that you and I are able to have with Him, and we do have with Him, and we are able to have with each other. And so this morning, let's begin as we talk about the season of love, and this morning being uh, the, the Sunday that we remember the love that God shows us through His Son, Jesus Christ, by talking about the story of Mary and Joseph. See, too often we view the story of Mary and Joseph in this familiar way without really thinking about their relationship and how their marriage came about to be before the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary and changed the trajectory of their relationship and of everything else. If you think about ancient Israel, in the time of Jesus, it was a small nation under the occupation and the control of the Roman Empire. In a small village called Nazareth, lives a carpenter named Joseph. Joseph is a descendant of King David himself. He supports himself by turning wood and other items into tools needed for daily life in Israel. And Joseph likely learned his trade from his father, who was probably a craftsman himself. In the Gospels, we know that Joseph comes from the city of Nazareth. That's what the scriptures tell us, and we. There's no reason not to believe it. However, some scholars believe that since he was a descendant of David, he was originally from the city of Bethlehem and at some point moved to Nazareth, possibly to work in Sephorus, which was a bustling and growing Roman or Greek city near Nazareth. And so from Nazareth, Joseph and other craftsmen would walk to work every morning. They'd work throughout the day and they would return home at night. And so that's a logical way, you know, a reason for him to have moved. People move for work, don't they? Many of us have done that ourselves. We don't know Joseph's age. Some say he was much older than Mary. Others say that he was, you know, just a few years older than her. But what we can assume and what we can know is that for him to have been looking into getting married, he was in a position in his employment and in his life that he could support not just himself but also a spouse and then any children that would have come from their marriage. And so in biblical times, as we talk about uh, Mary and Joseph's betrothal and marriage, they were very different from how you and I imagine them today. There was a contract that was arranged at the very beginning where the couple and their parents would negotiate a dowry or cash price that the groom would pay to the bride's family, and a contract would be signed. At that point, Mary and Joseph are actually married legally, but Mary still lived in her parents' home. Joseph still lived in his own home. And so there had been this time where they would get to know each other. They would date. They would um, grow together and, and learn about each other. And, and this time would take almost, uh, up to a year or longer. And then when the time would come for the wife to move into the home, the groom would gather his groomsmen, and he would go to his bride's home, and she would be gathered with her bridesmaids, and their marriage would be you know, made official, and then there would be a great feast and a great celebration. And then the bride would move into the home that they would then share. And see, this part of the marriage that we're talking about, if you think about in the gospel when Jesus is talking about how when the kingdom of God comes and, and those who are unprepared, it'd be like the bridesmaids who have not trimmed their wicks, who are not ready and waiting for when the groomsmen and the groom arrive. See, this is what Jesus is referring to in that parable, or when he's telling the people to anticipate, to be ready, to prepare for God's kingdom that's going to come. It's that time. But it's in that time that that Joseph and Mary are in, this in-between time, where they're legally married, but they're not yet living together in the same home, that the angel Gabriel visits Mary. See, the Gospels skip over all of this, this portion now, I think part of that is because the Gospels want us to, to hear and see and to, to receive the facts, don't they? And so they want us to know that Mary and Joseph are betrothed. They get married. They're in this in-between time. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary. Jesus is born, and then on we go. Because the Gospels' purpose is to tell us the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, are they not? And so they don't spend as much time on Mary and Joseph, which is fine. But what they do tell us is that when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, the angel tells her that she is the chosen one among women, that the child that she would bring into the world would be God. And so we know that when Mary went and told Joseph this, it didn't go over well. We can imagine the feelings, the disbelief, the questioning, the anger, the possibility for embarrassment, everything else. And so Luke's gospel tells us that after Mary told Joseph, she left Nazareth and went to a village in Judea, which would have been the southern portion of Israel, to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. And so while Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, God takes this time of uncertainty and of pain and of frustration and of anguish and of conflict and of just everything. And the gospels show us how God shows us that he is a God of love and how God turns this time into a story of love and an example of love. Because, see, the story of Mary and Joseph is a blip on the larger story of the love that God has for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. And see, what John wants us to see, both in the Gospel of John, and then also in the letters that we read of 1, 2, and 3 John, is that God's nature is to be loving. Jesus himself said that, that he came to what? Not to judge, but to what? To offer love. You know, we often we gloss over that passage of Scripture when we look at the Gospel of John chapter 3 when Jesus is gathering with Nicodemus and he's talking and Nicodemus is coming to make sure that he is the Messiah to say, are you really the one? And so Jesus, you know, we read in John 3, John three sixteen, about God so loving the world, but we forget to read the part where it says that the Son is sent not to bring judgment but to bring love into the world. Because that's the nature of God, is that God created the heavens and the earth and each of you in it so that he could have a relationship of love with you. That God was loving when humanity chose to fall into sin. That God continued to love when humanity chose to do all of the things that we know throughout history humanity has done. Yet as we look, even in the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Ruth and any of the other people that you list in the Old Testament, they show us examples of how God chose to continue to guide and to direct and to exhort and to demonstrate mercy to his people because of his love for each of us. And so in Mary and Joseph's story and in the Gospels that we read, love takes form in Jesus Christ. Jesus who is the Messiah, Jesus who is God with us, Jesus who is Emmanuel. And so in Jesus, we see that that God's love is strong enough and persistent enough to see us through and to be with us in every storm that we face and in everything else. See, as I read the Gospels this week and as I was thinking about it, I'm sure when Mary left Nazareth, after telling Joseph about the angel Gabriel's visit, she left feeling unloved because my guess is Joseph's reaction was not exactly the most loving. My guess is she was wondering what was going to happen. My guess is she was wondering if the angel had told her if, the, if those events were really going to unfold. But what greeted Mary when she got to the home of Elizabeth? It was unexpected love, wasn't it? It was the love of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 writes, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her own womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy, happy as she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. See what met Mary in the home Of Elizabeth was God's love. Mary who was questioning, Mary who was wondering, Mary who trusted. God's love met her there. And in that expression of love, the promise that God had had been expressed through the angel Gabriel was confirmed to Mary that day. In the midst of her figuring out what was going to happen next. God met her in the person of Elizabeth and the love she expressed to Mary. See, that's how God works. If you think in your own lives of the times that you faced pain and uncertainty when you felt like you weren't enough, I hope, friends, that in those times you were able to see how others' love for you came and was there in an even greater way than the things that you were experiencing yourselves. I hope you can think of the people that God placed in your path and the people that were with you so that you did not face the pain and the uncertainty alone because there were others who were there who were receptive to God. They expressed and shared the love of God with you and they helped to accompany you on the path that you were facing. Is that not love? And is that not God's love being shared to one another? In addition to Mary being shown love, we also see the love of God in Joseph experience. Now, it's not from Luke's gospel, but it's from Matthew's, where Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph intended to to quietly void the marriage contract and to divorce Mary. But God met Joseph in a dream, and an angel told Joseph that he was needed in playing a part in God's plan. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. God knew what Joseph was facing. God knew Joseph was full of fear and of angst and of stress and of certainty and of everything else we've listed. And so the angel told him, don't be afraid. What you fear is in my hands. What you fear is in God's hands. And what you fear and what you are fearful of is all part of God's plan. And see, Joseph chose to love and to trust. Even when the law gave him other options, when it came to the marriage and the child in Mary's womb, and his choice is a reflection of the same trust that God shows to each, and, each of us every day. Because God chooses to love. God chooses to build a relationship with each of us. Even as we face our sins, even as our sin separates us from who God wants us to be, God chooses me and God chooses you. Even at the price of his own son, Jesus Christ. See, the Apostle John this morning phrases it so perfectly. Where we read a scripture this morning that said that God sent his son out of his love for the world so that all might have the opportunity for eternal life. It's this love that we celebrate and remember today. It's this love of God that that develops and grows within each of us as we choose to receive the love that he offers us, and we in turn offer it to others. See, God sent Jesus so that you would experience the world in a different way. God sent Jesus so that you would experience a relationship with him in a better way. And God sent Jesus so that you and I might know just a bit of the immeasurable depth of love that he has for each of us. In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, Paul phrases so perfectly the love that God has for each of us as he sent his son Jesus. When he writes, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord, not depth or life, nor angels, nor rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything else that is created. Amen.